Hello, welcome to the New Stack Makers, a podcast where we talk about at scale application development, deployment, and management. Synopsys helps development teams build secure, high quality software, minimizing risk while maximizing speed and productivity. For more information, go to www.synopsys.com slash software. Hey everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about application security in DevOps. And my guest today is Mira Rao, Senior Director of Product Management at Synopsys. Hi, Mira. Hey, Alex. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. And I'm just thinking a lot about security as you are. I'm sure that your work is pretty much focused on security and mm-hmm. application development. And so I'm really interested in the issues that are facing DevOps teams now, what are people needing to think about when they're building out their continuous delivery environment and how they can protect themselves from you know, these ever-expanding attack surfaces? And one of the questions I have is, and I just would love to get it started with this, is that we've got to this point really that is characterized by developers having a lot more responsibilities as the attack services grow. And there's lots of ways you can reduce your tax attack services, but there's still lots of things you need to do. For instance, you know, developers are increasingly tasked with configurations, for example, Mm -hmm. in a Kubernetes environment. So what do you think of, you know, in this context where developers are required to be faster than ever, but they still have to do a lot more, to protect their environments and their dependencies. Yeah, I think what we have been seeing over the past several years is how the responsibility of software security has been shifting, right? Uh, So in the beginning, when I joined this industry, almost 14 years back, right, we we were a team of uh, consultants working with many, many organizations where there were, again, a team of uh, security professionals with whom we used to set up tools and technologies, right, for right. Uh, running the scans or even like doing activities like manual code review or you talked about attack surface, like building threat modeling, looking at the risk analysis, right, starting from the design phase. So we were very hands-on and then even the security team was very hands-on. This is almost like 13, 14 years back that I'm talking about. And the industry or even like there were very less uh, challenges that they faced, right? Yeah, like a lot of lot of them did manual code review at the end of the SPLC. They did penetration testing. That was more than enough at that point. And then for applications which are which were critical in an organization. We did a lot of threat modeling, looked at, okay, what assets does it have? What controls does it have? And slowly, somehow, like the, there started coming new technologies, new frameworks, right? Uh, we started using a lot of open source, slowly from just doing manual code review, a little bit of automated static analysis. We started performing software composition analysis, right? Because now we knew that there is some challenges which are coming from the open source that the teams were using. Then slowly came, we also decided, okay, that was a time when like slowly cloud was not a big thing, but then we were deploying into virtual machines. So, okay, there were tools and technologies that came for dynamic analysis. So we started building that. We want to shift left. That started gaining traction. 
But the challenge became the more and more activities we started doing, the more automation we started doing, a lot of the responsibilities started being pushed slowly to the developers, right? Because we started saying, hey, security is not just the responsibility of the information security team or the software security group. It's everyone's responsibility. And then who writes the code? It was the developers, right? So we started like slowly like bringing them, hey, we want you to be security champion. So now you need to understand how the tools work, how the tools run, how to configure the tools. Then like you said, came containers and then along with containers came like the container orchestration platform like Kubernetes, right? Okay, now you deploy on containers. You learn how to configure all of these. You learn how to manage. You learn how to scale, right? So I think at some some point when all of these, we started slowly pushing a lot of these activities to the developers, I think they, the, the friction started creating, right? So you could clearly see that we were asking developers to do activities that are beyond what they are supposed to do, right? The goal of a developer is to produce functionality, make sure that code goes to production without any bugs, whether it is quality or security. But now we started bringing them and asking them to do a lot of other activities where I think that is where we started seeing a lot of friction. And now like everyone realized, okay, you you cannot like expect your developers to learn every tool, every technology, every dashboard that each tool has. We need to play with them, right? And then now things have started to change slowly, right? So that is where, Alex, I see a shift in the recent years. So that is the shift. So it's those increasing number of tools, increasing number of responsibilities, and it's just really the developers have to learn it. Yeah. And so what are the, then the, the remedies that Synopsys believes are, are, are required? I know you have started talking about intelligent orchestration. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what you mean by intelligent orchestration and how that can help remedy the issues that developers face. Yeah, definitely. Right. So again, one of the key challenges that we saw in the industry over the past uh, several years was whether it is the developers or then slowly came as as DevOps became very popular, uh, slowly came the operations team. They were building these uh, continuous integration delivery deployment pipelines, right? So they had uh, they used to check out the code, run some unit tests, functional tests, integration tests, and then decide, okay, am I doing continuous delivery, continuous deployment. Can I push this to production? And what we all, including I myself, right? What we all started doing was, hey, you already have a pipeline which is up and running. Why should I not introduce static analysis there? And they were like, okay, yeah, you can bring in your static analysis tool. And then we automated our static analysis tool in their pipeline, right? So from four minutes, the the pipeline, which used to take four minutes or five minutes to run, now it increased like three, four times, like 15, 20 minutes, because when you run a heavyweight static analysis tool, it takes time to run, right? And then like I alluded in the beginning, static analysis was not enough for us. So they were using a lot of open source. So then we brought in software composition analysis. 
Then slowly we brought in dynamic analysis or interactive analysis. Slowly we brought in, like you talked about containers. We said, okay, you also need to do a container scan. So the activities kept on increasing right in their pipeline. And then we started seeing that the pipeline that they built was completely clogged, right? So, and that is where we started seeing all these friction between the DevOps team as well as the security team, not just clogging the pipeline, even the results, right? Alex, look at a tool, right? Static analysis tool. It is built to find more, right? Tools are built to find more. So they started finding more and more issues like thousands or uh, hundreds or thousands of issues and without even like realizing like whether they wanted to break the bill, they wanted to notify the team. There was this constant friction that we were seeing in the industry between the DevOps team and the security team about all of these findings. And then on top of that, false positives. What do we do with all of these? So just quickly, let me ask. So what was the kind of the, the best practice for, for once you find all these problems? What were you doing at the time then? So at that time, what we were doing is when, when we used to run these tools in the pipeline, we used to push all the results to whatever dashboard the customer had, right? And then we used to not take any action in the pipeline. And then once every 10 days or once every quarter, we used to go triage the results and look at, okay, what critical high, medium do you have? Make sure that everything is set up properly. And as we were doing that, we were helping customers come up with small solutions, right? Okay, this, this is not going to work. Now, like, let's build something where we notify once, once all the results are triaged, you have a baseline scan. Let's make sure that we notify the team when we find critical vulnerabilities, when we find uh, maybe SQL injection or cross-site scripting, which is critical, right? So slowly we were coming up with solutions to solve those challenges, right? Each and every time we saw these challenges in the industry, we were coming up with solutions, looking at how do we solve this problem and all of that together, like based on that experience of almost uh, a decade, we decided, okay, whatever we were preaching was not working, right? Like, yes, you need to automate all the tools, but then do you have to run all the tools all the time, right? And then that is how we came up with the solution for intelligent orchestration, right? So the intelligent orchestration is, is a patented uh, technology within Synopsys, which now looks at different risk information at runtime and decides, yeah, I know you, you, you didn't change any source code at all. You changed a dependency file. Why do I need to run static analysis? I can skip that. I can just run software composition analysis. Or another example would be I change encryption API, right? And then if that is a sensitive change in your organization, then maybe I need to trigger a manual code review or someone need, who does a threat modeling needs to look at how this is built, right? So we decided, okay, let's go back one step 
and then see what is the significance of the code change that is going into the pipeline. And based off of that, let's decide what activities to run, what activities to skip, and what should be the depth of the activity that needs to happen. So we have a balance of automated activities versus manual activities uh, in, in the pipeline. So one of the issues here is really the developer is helping the developer be more effective. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know it can happen in a low effective environment, right? You can have any number of alerts for problems in production. You know, a person may have to start their day just by dealing with those problems to start. Mm-hmm. And your logging and monitoring systems, you know, might be be very quite varied, and you need to find the airport. Um, but it's difficult because there's no uh, there's no aggregated logs. Uh, mm-hmm. across the system, you know? So these issues and like, you, you know, people even have to get on the phone, right? They have to, yeah. and would have to determine the alerts if, if some alert is a false positive. So it sounds like what you're trying to do is like, you're trying to like tackle these issues. So the developer could be more effective because what you really want is a developer to start the day and say, you know, there's a standup, all right, you know, or that they're something they're checking to make sure the system's been automatically updated, right? Yeah. So so these are the things you're probably, I expect you're trying to achieve. It's almost like a Kubernetes problem. It's like you're trying to reach that desired state. Mm-hmm. And it was, you're, and it sounds like what you're finding was there need to be some intelligence built in. There need to be some orchestration yeah. built in mm-hmm. so you could get to that point. The biggest challenge I saw was the security team couldn't like pick one tool for like three or four years, right? So they had one tool in the beginning because all of them had Java and .NET and C, C++. Slowly the development team moved to different languages, right? Initially looked at how popular the JavaScript frameworks were, right? So when they started moving to those JavaScript frameworks, none of the tools were able to match that. So they started looking at, okay, do I have open source tools? What tool does uh, support this? And then slowly the development team, like you talk, as soon as cloud became huge, they started writing cloud native applications, APIs became popular, containerized applications, microservices. So they started like the, the technology kept changing, the tools kept changing, the pipelines kept changing, but then the SSG, the software security group, couldn't keep pace with that, right? Because now they had to go disrupt the pipeline that was already up and running, plug in new tools and new testing activities that they wanted to do, right? So for us, it was like, how, how much time can you always keep spending reinventing the same pipelines without providing that abstraction that the developers need. Developers don't care what tool you ran, right? What analysis you ran, how deep did you run the analysis? They just want to know, do I have a critical or a high vulnerability that I need to fix right now? Yes or no, right? Whether you run commercial tool, whether you run open source tool, whether you ran one rule or 10 rules, incremental scan, full scan, they don't care about that, right? They just want to know, I am merging from my development branch to my main branch or production branch, whatever they may call. Tell me, do I have any vulnerabilities? Is my open source good? Yes or no, right? And we were in a lot of trouble because every time they did that, we were like, oh, we need to run a full analysis. We need to do this, right? So for us, we, we, we wanted to help reduce that friction between the development team, which wa- wanted to move fast, 
and operations was actually working with them, right? Because they were all uh, working together. But we, as in the security industry, were the ones creating all the friction, right? So we wanted to make sure that we are able to abstract and isolate all the application security testing tools so they don't care. Uh, when I find a critical or a high, I will let you know and you fix it, then I'll allow you to merge to my main branch. Is there a way for me to provide you a simple API, right? Just one line change in your pipeline, in your release pipeline or build pipeline so that you can call my intelligent orchestration pipeline without disruption to any of the things that you are doing. Uh, I see. Yeah, I can do that, right? Yeah. So what you were able to do is diagnose the issue. So you, yes. had, so you had developers who were just wanting to know what was critically wrong yes. you know, with, you know, with, with, with an update, for instance. Yeah. Uh, right. They didn't care about the in-depth analysis. So it sounds like what you had to do on your side was aggregate a lot of data from the different tools that are available out there so you could get them that quick answer, so you could provide them that analysis. Is that wrong? Am I, am so, I kind of right there? So what we do is we have abstracted how we look at the results from each of the tools, right? So that we reduce, like you can tell us, like when we build these, intelligent orchestration pipelines, which is completely abstracted, were extensible to whether you can use, uh, you can use all the synopsis tools, you can use open source, you can use commercial tools. So what we do is at each stage in the pipeline, right? Like when you check in code, when we run static analysis, you want us to let you know immediately that did the tool find critical vulnerabilities, right? So we can provide that feedback to the developers with guidance from the tool, right? Because we don't want to reinvent all the good things that the tools already do, right? Right. So, and again, if the, if the organization has application vulnerability management tools, right? Like Kenna or CodeDX or ThreadFix, which is able to merge all the results, correlate everything, harmonize, we utilize that. But then we also provide the development team configuration to let us know what is it that you truly care about, right? Because not every team has OWASP top 10 as a top vulnerability list, right? Even within an organization, we have seen the organization has a top 10, but specific teams have different top 10s, right? So we ask them, okay, what is one or two or three findings that you are truly nervous about, which poses a huge business risk for your application? Let us know. And then when intelligent orchestration along with the tools, right? Because it doesn't run the tool, it delegates the tool to run. But then once the tool runs, it's able to parse the results and tell you, okay, I found this. What do you want me to do, right? So we try to bring their process also into the pipeline, right? So whatever process you have, send me a Slack message, create a defect tracking ticket, or pause the pipeline. We need someone to sign off. There is a sign off authority when critical is found, but we need to go to production, let him or her know and let them come to the pipeline and say, I accept the rest. And then we log all of that, right? Because even critical was making sure that all of these 
information, the decisions that intelligent orchestration makes is being logged. So when your auditing team or compliance team comes and asks, hey, why was this not happening? Then you have all the logs that you can pull into any of your logging dashboards, right? So it provides that flexibility for the teams, whether it's the development team or the operations teams or the security team to adapt to the solution for whatever workflows that they are using, right? So how is that done automatically? Because you can't spend a lot of time with the, the teams doing this, right? So tell me then how does the API work? You know, how does the intelligent orchestration start to kick in? So what it does is it actually has connections through APIs to your Git repository to understand who is the developer or who are the developers who checked in code changes, what change, right? And then we allow you to uh, notify us when we onboard an application into intelligent orchestration to let us know what are some of the sensitive packages that are there in your organization. We also talk to your application inventory, right? Because every organization that we have worked with has classified their applications. This is a high business risk application, which is externally facing. It has compliance requirements. It is internet facing, right? So you can give us all those attributes of that application. And then we also talk to your defect tracking to understand the residual risk, right? Like, okay, are they critical, which have crossed the threshold of 14 days to fix? Uh, who is the sign-off authority on all of these criticals when the threshold has crossed? What are your compliance requirements? Every 90 days, I need to do a penetration test. Every major release, I need to do a threat model update to my threat model. We, we gather all of that information and then intelligent orchestration, when it starts, it brings all of that information together and comes up with this score, right? Like IQ, right? And then you can tell us or each organization can configure if the score is between zero and 20, which is very low risk, skip all the activities. Whereas if the score is between 80 and 100, I want to make sure SAS runs, SCA runs, DAS runs, uh, if there were change for critical code, we also want to make sure that there is a manual code review. Okay, the score was 0 to 20, nothing needed to happen, but then the compliance requirement needed to be satisfied. So it will still say, hey, I'm not running any tools in the pipeline, but you asked me to create a ticket for compliance penetration test, I'm going to create that, right? So it's going to bring the people aspect into the pipeline, your policy, your governance aspect into the pipeline, and then technology is already there because it's already automated end-to-end, -end, right? So you can use all synopsis tools, you can use a combination of synopsis and open source tools, or you can use a combination of synopsis tools for some activities, commercial tools for some other activities and open source for, so you can build like a hybrid pipeline, right? Because that's how it works. Okay. So let's, let, we're, we're, we're coming up to the end of our discussion here, but mm -hmm. I wanted to focus on a little bit on what happens when the developer goes through the checks and they see some vulnerabilities that they want to get, that have to be remedied. Mm -hmm. They can, I guess, and they can go back and they can then take care of those issues and then they can run it again to see where their score is, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so 
again, like there are different ways, right? So if you're running intelligent orchestration as part of your pull request, then within your version control, GitHub, GitLab, or Bitbucket, we have remediation advice, which is standardized and completely filtered to the ones that you care about in, in the repo that you use, right? But then if, if you didn't find anything there, but then in the main pipeline, if it is able to find issues like either cross-site scripting or SQL injection, then there is a defect tracking that is a ticket that is created, which again has all the context specific advice from the tool, right? Like you might be using Kubernetes, you might be using Polaris, you might be using Black Duck, right? For software composition analysis. So that remediation address guidance from those are pulled in and then pushed into your defect tracking. So your developer doesn't have to go to the dozens of dashboards, uh, dozens of tools and technologies in order to understand how do I remediate. And the nice thing about this is Alex, once they get the guidance, fix it, rerun it, then it will say, okay, the, the issue was closed, right? So you will immediately see if you are able to follow the remediation guidance, make the changes, check back in, it will immediately show that the, the that vulnerability was closed, right? So you have a completely closed loop. So now you truly are shifting left and helping your developers adapt to the solution, right? So they don't know what tool it was, right? Because they only were able to go either through their version control or through their defect tracking. They don't need to go to the 10 different tools or technologies that the SSG uses. So you're giving them prioritized results in the tool and technology that they are more comfortable, right? right. So that makes it faster and very less complicated for developers to actually address security defects without disrupting their normal workflow, right? Because they are used to Jira. They are used to their version control. They're not going anywhere. Right. So, so I think that's how we make it easy for the developers. So by the time uh, this show publishes, you'll be offering your intelligent orchestration in... GA, yes. GA. Mm -hmm. And so where do you want to take it from there? So again, if anyone wants to see a demo or if they want to see more details, the, the website is very simple, synopsis.io. That's so simple, right? So you go up there, you'll be able to see uh, the data sheet. You'll be able to see what tools and technologies are supported. You'll be able to request for a demo. Uh, you will also be able to see examples of how intelligent orchestration actually helps the development teams, the DevOps team, the security team, your compliance team, your auditing team. So you'll be able to get a lot of information. Please log, uh, John, go on to synopsis.io. That's it. Well, good. Well, Mira, this has been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I learned a lot here about those clogs that can happen in the pipeline. And, you know, and really, I think you've come down to kind of the essentials of what developers want. They want to just, they want to know what's wrong and they want to fix it. Yeah, I think, I think we have been saying that 
loud and clear right yeah. just tell them what's wrong right. rather than saying we found this from sas we found this from penetration test we found this from manual code review they shouldn't care about that they just need to know we found a critical this is how you need to fix it that's all they need to know right and yeah. i think that's what that was the problem that we were able to solve here at synopsis well mira thank you so much for your time i've been joined for this discussion with mira rao and mira is senior director of product management at Synopsis. Mira, thank you again. Uh, it's, it's great to have you here. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Synopsis helps development teams build secure, high-quality software, minimizing risk while maximizing speed and productivity. For more information, go to www.synopsis.com software. Listen to more episodes of the Newstack Makers at thenewstack.io slash podcast. Please rate and review us on iTunes, like us on YouTube, and follow us on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening and see you next time.